Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. So I want to just read one scripture of three verses to you. And I just want to ask you to journey with me as we read the scripture. But before I do, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord God, it's so good that we could laugh and be real with you. But today, God, right now, right this moment, I want to focus on you and on your word. And I pray for every single man and woman, irrespective of age, that you would touch their hearts. I ask God that you would open our hearts to receive what comes from your very throne room today. From your heart to our heart, God. From your word to our spirits. So that we can rise up and become the men and women who will fulfill the destiny that we were created for. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Whew, Jesus, I love you. The Amplified Bible, uh, Luke chapter 8. Now I want to say, before we go, just hang on, hang on, hang on. I, a friend of ours, uh, a Reverend Siaki, posted a post in this last week that just really resonated in my spirit. And I just felt I needed to share it. Obviously, I'll put my own special little twist on it. Okay. So let's go. The Amplified Bible, Luke Chapter 8, verse 22. Now on one of those days, just stop there. One of those days. <laughs> Who's had one of those days? Okay. Some of us have one of those years. Now on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat. And he said to them, let us cross to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, so they set out. How many times in your life has Jesus said to you, go do something? Be obedient. Set out. Trust me in this. And you set out. We're going to the other side. You see the other side. The promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. You're being obedient to Jesus, aren't you? The disciples thought, well, we're going to the other side. Jesus said, go. So we're going. Let's carry on reading. As they were sailing, he fell asleep. Don't you sometimes feel like when you're busy going, that Jesus has fallen asleep? I do. Hey? Be honest. I feel sometimes Jesus has fallen asleep. <laughs> but God, I'm being obedient to you. Okay. It's okay. We're going to the other side. It's going to be cool. We're getting there. We're being obedient. And it says, and a fierce gale of wind swept down. I love this part. As though a wind tunnel on the lake. 
and they began to be swamped and they were in great danger. Other translations speak about uh, a fierce storm. But this is actually what happened. A tornado. They got caught in a tornado, a wind tunnel. It wasn't just a summer little storm with a little bit of waves. Have you seen what tornadoes do? Okay. Have you seen the destruction a tornado causes? Yeah, they were caught in a tornado water spout in the middle of the sea. You know, my family knows me. Hey, Dad, Jared, my dream is to go to America and do storm chasing. <laughs> it's true. I want to go chase those tornadoes. You want to know about tornadoes? I can tell you, okay? I watch, to my family's complete dismay, storm chasing video after video after video. If, if National Geographic has a storm chasing movie or series, this girl. I will watch it again and again and again and again. That's my dream. So I know what I'm talking about when I say there's complete devastation. So yeah, the disciples are being obedient to Jesus. They're going to the other side and all hell breaks loose. So much so that their boat is being swamped. Some of you have been obedient to God and your boat is being swamped. You look around and you're spinning around so fast. You've got no idea where it's this way or south or north or east. You've got no idea how things are going to work out. And you feel like, Jesus, you're asleep. I'm going to die. Where are you in this, Jesus? Come on. I felt like that this week. And you know, being the spiritual woman that I am, I lost my sanctification completely. <sighs> I got mad at God. I got mad at the world. I must confess, I got mad at my husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a fierce gale of wind swept down. As though through a wind tunnel on the lake, and they began to be swamped and were in great danger. They came to Jesus and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are about to die. God, I can't anymore. I just can't. It's not fair. But he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging, violent waves, and they ceased. And it became calm, a perfect peacefulness. And he said to them, where is your faith and your confidence in me? They were afraid and astonished, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the sea? And they obey him. Take note of this. Jesus speaks the word. And there's calm. Where's Jesus currently? He's not asleep in heaven. 
Jesus is a currently alive in your heart. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, He, the living Word, is in your heart. Do you have a word to speak to your raging storm? You've got the word in you. You have the word in you. Get hold of the Bible. Find a scripture that just resonates with everything you've got. And speak the word, the living word, to your storm. Peace. Be still. And the raging storm, the tornado will cease. And you will find peace. And you will get through to the other side. I'm telling you, you are on a journey. You are going to the other side. Because he commanded. And he said. And when he says something, it is yes and amen. It is established. You don't have to stress about it. The storms will come. But he promised he will be with you through the storm. And you will get through to the other side. And if you haven't had enough of the storm... Declare to it, storm, be still in the name of Jesus. And you will get calm first within and then without. Amen. Now I'm going to hand over to Dad. Come, you sexy man. <laughs> praise God, praise God. Thank you. You know, the storms of life come. We live in South Africa where there's like a, tsunami of trouble coming during the COVID issues and the looting and all those things are creating trouble and challenges. And that's why I'm so much more even excited about people like Brandon that sees the blessing of God in this time when most people are just on survival. Most people are just there. But God stays true to his word and Brandon is no any special than anybody else. God is going to do miracles for us in the midst of the storm. So my scripture is about, what about your calling during the storm? How, how do you process where God has called you to while you're just trying to survive? While you're just trying to find one foot in front of another foot? So we're going to look at the story of Peter in the New Testament. One of my favorite characters of the New Testament. Because he's so real. Because he lives reality and he lived with his feelings on his sleeve and everybody knew what he was feeling and experiencing all right so we're starting in Luke 5 um, this is they're talking about Jesus once and he was standing on the shores of the lake gets the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear him the word of God and he noticed two boats that were tied up okay so we're sticking with this boat theory today the fisherman had just left them and was scrubbing their nets. And he climbed into the boat that was Simon's. Now, in this story, you can swap the name Simon and Peter at any time. It is the same person. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. So, God is going to use... The boat is a pulpit. So I was saying to them in the pastor's lounge, I don't think it's fair that I must use a table and Jesus gets to use a boat as a pulpit. But, okay, we'll just park that for them. So he was standing in the boat and he was teaching them. In verse 4, when he finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into the deep 
and let your nets out for a catch. You see, this is the interesting part. Whenever God comes into your life, he talks about your practical needs. Peter was a fisherman. God used his boat to preach, and immediately he takes it to business. Their business was fishing. So people say, but you're just a prosperity teacher when you bring money into everything. Well, there was about four verses. The first three wasn't about business and success. And the fourth verse that he's talking in the story, he says, let's go catch fish. So they pushed in a little bit deeper and they put out their nets. And Simon answered like this. And I've heard so many people hear this. Verse 5, Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow, a little tiny fish. But if you say so, this is why we need to hear God in the difficult times. We, some of us have put effort in for so long, and we're saying, but it's not going to work. But if you say, I'll let out the nets, and it was no sooner done than a huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. So the way Jesus first interacted with Peter was all about his fishing business, was all about that which he loved so much. So their partners came and helped them, and they filled both boats, nearly swamping them with a catch. I'd rather be swamped by the catch than swamped by the storm. Yeah. Hey? Same words used. Now, the same thing that in mom's story was going to kill them, the swamping, suddenly they were overwhelmed with blessing. But listen to Peter's response in verse 8. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner and can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. And isn't this our response? When God blesses us, we actually say, God, go away because I can't deal with this. Jesus didn't preach to him about holiness. Jesus blessed him. And he says, go away from me because I understand it's from a place of holiness that I'm being successful. It is from a place of your anointing that something's changing in my business. And then he says, no, 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 go away. I'm, I, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough for that which you're doing here. And I have heard God say to me, tell my people they are good enough. They mustn't push me away. Because of the anointing that they carry. People are walking away from their calling because they don't feel good enough. They don't feel like they're holy enough. When he pull, sorry, um, then he, they pulled in the catcheries, all overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. And in verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, there's nothing to fear from now on, you'll be fishing for men and women. And they pulled up their boats on the beach and left them and followed him. It went from, they were just busy doing their normal thing. They were struggling. They caught nothing. They were in trouble. When you are fishing, is your business and you catch nothing. It is the same as if your business is sales and you're not selling anything. It's the same thing. So nothing was working that they knew how to do. And suddenly God comes in and he goes on a trip and he gives them instructions. And they are overwhelmed with awe of who God is. And suddenly, now instead of, and this is what happens in today's world. Oh, well, hang on now. I've got a formula on how to be successful. 
I'm going to just catch fish and ask God to bless all my fishing. Just after God blesses them, they leave their nets and their boats on the beach and they follow Jesus. That is the effect that a true encounter with God's blessing has on you. You cannot but say, I'm going to follow you. It doesn't become all about the money. It becomes all about Jesus. It becomes all about having an encounter with him in that holy place. Peter knew that he had to change, and they were following Jesus. Is this a kind of exciting story? Can you relate to it? Have you somewhere had an encounter with God that you say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to leave what I know, and I want to follow Jesus. Okay? So now we think it's all going to go well. But we jump to Luke 22, towards the end of this book. And we know that Peter had walked with Jesus through the storm that Mom has just read about, through all the healings, through all the things they had seen Jesus do. This story comes to an end where Jesus is crucified and he is being uh, in front of the judge in Luke 22. Arresting Jesus, they marched him off and took him into the house of the chief priest. And Peter followed, but at a safe distance in the middle of the courtyard. Some people had started a fire and were sitting around it, trying to keep warm. So yeah, Peter's whole life is falling apart. Everything that Peter had left his business for and followed Jesus is suddenly coming to nothing. It's suddenly coming to absolutely zero because... Now Jesus has been arrested. What's happening now? This man that I'm following is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. I thought he's going to change the whole world. And everything is not working out the way Peter planned it. When Peter left what he loved and he followed Jesus, he thought he's going to be with him to victory. And suddenly he's with him to death. And people start asking him, do you know him? Firstly, a servant girl. Woman, in verse 57, I don't even know him. A short time later, somebody else noticed him and said, you're one of them. But Peter denied it. Man, I'm not. About an hour later, somebody else spoke up really adamant. He's got to have been with him. He's got Galilean written all over him. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. At that very moment, the last word hardly off his lips, a rooster crowed just then. The master turned and looked at Peter. We know that Jesus had already foretold Peter that today you're going to three times deny me. And Peter said, not only your life, Jesus. I'm with you. It doesn't matter what happens. But the moment it got a little bit difficult, without him even thinking about it, he denied Jesus three times. Now, we also deny Jesus sometimes by the choices we make, by the way we step back when God says move forward, by the way we experience our whole Christianity, and this is that kind of moment. We are trying to be warm. We are trying to be in with a crowd. We are trying to say, God, do what you have to do at this time. But we don't see it. The church is in a mess. The country is in a mess. The businesses are in a mess. How is this all going to work out? And I'm asking you, what are you going to do with Jesus at this moment? Just like Peter was asked, what are you going to do with Jesus at this very moment? 
And as he's busy denying Jesus, he hears the rooster crowed like Jesus said. And he looks up into the eyes of Jesus. What did he feel at that moment? What did he experience from Jesus at that moment? Did he experience judgment and hate and I told you so kind of attitude? Or did he experience the love of somebody that loved him even though he messed up? That loved him even though he denied him? That stood with him even though he couldn't for three questions answer that I'm with this man? Today, God is asking the church, where do you stand about Jesus? Where do you stand about my bride? Where do you stand about these things about religious freedom and making a stand for Jesus? That is the question that it is today. Are we in our actions doing the same as what Peter did when he denied Jesus three times? I want nothing to do with these radical Christians. I want nothing to do with the oaks that have services now and putting the world in danger. Or are you saying, I'm supporting the church of God. I'm there for the church of God. I'm not saying everybody must be in church. Different people have different situations. But there's one thing that is required at this stage of the game. Just like there was required of Peter to say, I'm standing with Jesus. I'm standing with the church. Peter remembered what the master had said to him. Before the rooster crowed, you will deny me three times. He went out and cried and cried and cried. You see, an encounter with Jesus brings you to repentance. It doesn't bring you to condemnation. It brings you to wholeness. It brings you to a realization that there's more than what you are showing. It's not a cry of sadness. It is a cry of change. It is a cry of the anointing. It is a cry of reverence for who God is in the midst of your hard time. In the midst of your whole world falling apart. Jesus looks at you and he says, I love you. He looks at you right in the eye without any condemnation. Without any pointing of a finger. With nothing of I told you so. With just love, that makes a change. Let's carry on to John 21. So Peter leaves from there, and he doesn't know what to do. Jesus now gets crucified, and he thinks it's all over. He doesn't know how to operate now. So in verse 21 of John 21, After this, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. This time it was at the Sea of Galilee. This is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, and Nathaniel, and Connor, um, the brothers Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. So seven out of the remaining 11 disciples were together. So that we can say it was most of the disciples were together. And Simon Peter, Peter announced, I'm going fishing. That's what I also want to do whenever things get tough. I'm going fishing. Stuff this mess. I'm not interested anymore. This is too much. Asking too much of me. I don't know what to do. I'll go back to what I know. I'll go back to that which I left when Jesus called me. In Church of God, during the last 18 months, many people have gone back to fishing. Because it was easier to go back to what we know than to go back to what Jesus has for us. 
It was easier to go to a place where nothing is required of us. The fishing of fish is easy because the fish never reject you. Sometimes they reject your bait, but they don't reject you personally. But when you get called to fish for men, you better have a bit of toughness in you. You better be willing to stand up. You better be ready for some people that just throw in your face whatever you do, right or wrong. You need something more. Now he goes back to fishing. Okay, what happens? The rest of them replied, we're going to go with you. And normally, when you take the easy way out, somebody will be willing to follow you. When you take the easy back step, somebody will say, hey, I'll go with you. And you feel like I've made the right decision because everybody is supporting my decision. So they went out and got in the boat, and they caught nothing. Oh, okay, that helps a lot. <laughs> I've gone back to what I know, but even that's not working. Even that's not happening the way I expect it to happen. They went out and got in the boat. They caught nothing that night, just like the f- night before Jesus called them. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. And I believe God is standing on the beach for some of us, but we're not recognizing it. We're not seeing him in the midst of our pain. We're not seeing him in the midst of our disappointment. Jesus spoke to them, good morning. Did you catch anything for breakfast? They answered, no. He said, throw your net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. Does this sound familiar? The first time Jesus called them, he said to them, put your net out on the other side. And their boat was nearly swamped because of the catch. And it made them and brought them to repentance. Here they are again after a whole night of fishing with catching nothing. And Jesus says, throw the net out on the other side. Throw it out again. And they did what he said. All of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. Exactly the same way that God brought you in the first time, he'll bring you in again. Peter has gone a whole big circle. He didn't know Jesus. He left his fishing, followed Jesus, threw everything, saw all the miracles. He walked on water. Jesus met him in the storm. He saw leprous hands healed. He saw people get up and walk. He saw demon-possessed men suddenly become calm. But it came back to a place where he went back to fishing. I don't know how this works anymore. That which worked yesterday isn't working today. So I'm going back to where I was before. Because I was sort of like survived. I was okay before Jesus interfered in my life. I was okay before somebody said to me, Pursue your calling. Before somebody said to me, become a fisherman of men. So I'd rather go back to the easy way and go catch fish. And Jesus stands on the side says, put your net in on the other side. Put your net in on the other side. Whoa. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Messiah. So somewhere, somewhere he suddenly realized that he wasn't alone in this. Suddenly he realized that Jesus wasn't asleep in the storm, but Jesus is standing on the beach rooting for you, believing in you, calling out you to do what to do. When Simon Peter realized that it was the master, he threw on some clothes, for he was stripped for work, and dove into the sea. Oh man, that encounter is what I'm praying about. That encounter is why I give my life 
to serving God. Because I want somebody to have that encounter that makes you get up from whatever you're doing and not worry about a net full of fish and run towards the master. When Simon Peter realized it was the master, he threw on some clothes for he was stripped for work and dove into the sea. And next verse. Oh, the other disciples came in by boat for they weren't far from land, a hundred yards or so, pulling the net full of fish. When they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And Simon joined them and pulled the net to shore. There was 153 big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't drip. What I want you to see is that God's relationship here to having an encounter with Jesus brings success in life immediately. The success in life brings an encounter that brings you closer to Jesus. Can you see that? There's a relationship. There's something happening. There's something swapping backwards and forwards. Every time that Simon Peter was destitute, God came and answered him by a net full of fish. And every time he had a net full of fish, he left the nets and ran to Jesus. God is not blessing you for any other reason than to make you run to him. It's not about the fish for Jesus. It's about you running to him. So they brought some of the fish. Um, and none of them asked, dared to ask in verse 12 because they knew it was the master. And he gave them some bread. And he gave them some fish. And that's what we're going to do just now in communion. We're going to put some worship on again. I want you to sort of like remember this moment. Of you trying to survive, trying to figure things out, trying to f find the answer to the challenges that you have now. And Jesus preparing a breakfast for you. So come, come and eat. I've prepared a table for you. I'm here. You thought I was dead, but I'm here to answer your very need. To bring your very challenge that's before you, I have the answer for. Jesus is inviting you to breakfast this morning. Jesus is standing here inviting you, and we're going to join in the table just now in a moment. Breakfast is ready, is the words that Jesus is saying this morning. Then we know the story that Jesus asks him, uh, do you love me? After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Master, you know I love you. You see, the encounter with God in the provision in God leads us to a question, do we really love Him? It leads us to the place of saying, is our relationship with Him real? Yes, Master, you know I love you. And then the next step is, if you say you love God, there's an immediate instruction, feed my lambs. You cannot separate your calling from the love of God. You can't say, God, I love you, but I want nothing to do with the church. Because the moment you tell Jesus you love him, he tells you what to do is feed my lambs. Next verse. 
Jesus asks him again. He then asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Well, shepherd my sheep. You can't take shepherding away from your love of God. You can't say, I love God, but I hate your people, God. Because that's what people are doing. How are you going to shepherd people if you're only watching on Zoom? Aina, sorry. I don't want you to stop watching on Zoom, but I want you to understand that the church needs to be open because church is not about you. You can get just as good a message on Facebook Live as what you can get in here, but you can't operate in your calling if you're not here. Yes, Master, you know I love you. Shepherd my sheep. Okay, third time. He asked him next time. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he asked him for the third time, do you love me? Carry on, next verse. So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. You must know that I love you. Well, feed my sheep. You see, Peter denied Jesus three times. Then Jesus asked him, do you love me? Three times. Three times he was put into a choice to make about Jesus. And he said, no, I don't know him. Three times he was asked, do you love me? And three times he said, yes. And three times Jesus said, shepherd my people, feed my people, look after my people. It is all related that God is saying that it doesn't matter what you go through, don't let go of where I've called you to be. And the biggest reason why people don't step into their calling is because they don't feel worthy. We say the same way that Peter said the first time that God blessed him. He said, I'm a sinner. Get away. Don't even bring your blessing to me because I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough for you to use me. But I want to tell you, you are good enough. I want to tell you that you are good enough. I want to tell you that if you love Jesus, you are qualified. That's, Jesus didn't say to him, well, you better go to Bible school because you love me. He didn't say, well, go through this course and spend 20 years ushering and then start caring for my people. He said, because you love me, feed my people. It was directly related your calling and your love for God cannot be separated. And it cannot be shaken by difficult times like this. You can only stay into that place. Oh, Sean. Jesus then started to um, immediately talk about how he would die and how things would end. But he ends that scripture with this, these two words. Follow me. The last words there. Follow me. What did they do at the first time Jesus met them? He said, follow me. So sometimes our life goes through a whole circle. And we think, what is the point of all of this? But there's an ever-deepening circle. It's an ever-closing circle. It's an ever-place of getting closer and closer to God. So my heart for us today is to anybody who says, hey, I've lost Jesus in this struggle. I've lost 
my way and I might have even denied him and I might not have pursued him the way I should have and I've made it more about the fish than about the fisherman. I've made it more about serving my needs than I would have made it about serving him. God is looking at you from that place with love and acceptance and he says you are qualified by your love. You are good enough because you love me. Don't step back. Don't hold back. Don't allow anything to be between you and me. Because I love you. You might have denied me. But I know your love is going to lead to a place where you will follow me. Where we will shepherd my people. Where you'll care for somebody. Where we'll go beyond the call of duty. Because I've got you. And I'm holding you. So that's the story of one of my heroes in the faith. The fact that he could absolutely be real. Whatever Peter felt, you knew how he felt about it. He didn't hide it away and try and make it all religious. When he met Jesus, he said, I'm not good enough. Stay away. Jesus didn't say to him, well, you are not good enough. He just said, follow me. Follow me. So I want to say every single one here is good enough to follow Jesus. As you follow him, you will love him. And if you love him, you are qualified to serve him and his people. You are qualified to serve him and his people. And your days of wondering how it's going to work, and your days of even denying him, and your days of struggling to survive, your days of, I keep, can imagine that long dark night that he was just standing by the fire trying to be warmed. He didn't understand that everything of who he was and who he is is actually going to come out now. That this time in our life as a country, as a people of God, as a church of God, is a time where we have to stand up and say, I'm going to be counted. I'm going to be counted. Every time that God called his people, be it Moses or Ezekiel or anyone, he said, stand up so that I can speak to you. Today is a day that Jesus is saying, stand up. I want to speak to you. I want to again bring you on course where you might have drifted off course. I want to again put my hand on my shoulder or like Isaiah, he touched his lips with a coal. Brought every time another way, but it was the same message. You have been called by God to change the direction and the future of those around you. Amen. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 930 for more information and resources, please go to our website www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.